Welcome to the Pilot Podcast, where we watch the pilot episodes of TV shows and answer your question, should I watch this? My name is BJ. And my name is Me Too. And this week, we're checking out Martha Knows Best on HGTV, United We Fall on ABC, Muppets Now on Disney+, and Cleopatra in Space on Peacock. So stay tuned to the end to find out if BJ also loves kitty cuddles. No. All right, Beach, why don't you <laughs> take us from the sour attitude of you spoiling kitty cuddles to Martha Stewart's several acre estate and introduce us to Martha Knows Best. I will gladly. Martha Knows Best is a new series on HGTV, which is giving fans a behind-the-scenes look at her latest gardening projects on her New York 150-acre farm. She's going to be discussing topics ranging from planting a vegetable garden, planting trees, building a stone path, grooming her pets, and so much more, because Martha can literally do it all. And a fun little twist is sprinkled throughout the episodes. She will be surprising fans and giving them advice on their own home projects, as well as giving advice to some of her celebrity friends. And joining her throughout this first episode in her vegetable garden is her head gardener, Ryan McAllister. So me too, what'd you think of this series? I think of all the shows that we've seen, whether we've reviewed them on the Pilot Pod or not, check out our past reviews at thepilotpodcast.com. This is the strongest that I've watched of shows attempting to film during quarantine and be responsive to the pandemic. It doesn't feel cheaply filmed. It doesn't feel awkward, like they're shoehorning a subject matter into virtual filming. Of course, there's the benefit of Martha Stewart having this giant estate and this giant staff that can be supportive. (laughs) So it's a little different than someone sitting in front of a screen and trying to make the best of their Zoom background. But it just felt nice for the moment. It felt pleasant to be transported to a place that was much more beautiful than the apartment I've been physical distancing (laughs) in. And it was nice to get gardening tips, including gardening tips for an apartment. So we'll get into that with her conversation with Anthony of Queer Eye. It was just a really pleasant watch. They made a smart combination of a typical HGTV show where Martha is giving you gardening, household tips, taking into account that people are spending a lot more time at home. And so these are some of the projects that people with giant farms or apartment terraces might be interested in. Of course, we don't all have a giant farm. We aren't all fortunate enough to have a housekeeper, driver, and gardener live with us. And we don't have our own flock of peacocks. But I think Martha is still able to take things from her level and translate them to something that your everyday viewer can enjoy and appreciate. That's the magic of bringing in the guests, which I think was a really smart choice, is this show would have been potentially unbearable if it were just us watching Martha take to her stunning estate. But instead, we get to see her give real advice to people who live in places that might look a little bit more like our own and make mistakes that are closer to ones that we might make because we are not as seasoned and experienced and learned in this subject as Martha Stewart. And we also don't have a Ryan whom we were able to low-key take hostage ahead of the pandemic. It's all about timing. (laughs) 
it's all about time <laughs> to kidnap people. Let's take a quick side note. She was like, I have my gardener, my driver, and my housekeeper with me. And we thought it was only going to be a couple weeks, but 80 days later, here we are still all together. And I'm sure they would like to see their families, but we're just making it work. And Ryan was like, yeah, we're like a new family now. But then again, there are worse places to quarantine. If I were not able to see my family, as many of us are, I'd rather do it there than in this apartment that I've been staying in. They are definitely living comfortably. And we saw a few pictures of the meals that Martha is making for them. And I was a little jealous. That one cucumber salad looked delicious. I made cucumber salad this week and I was still jealous of her cucumber salad. Well, you didn't home grow your global variety of cucumbers for your salad. Yeah, you're right. Excuse me. Let's talk about Antony. Sure. What I loved about her having Queer Eyes Antony Porovsky is because he's in an apartment, the information she shared with him is more widely applicable, I think, than the information that she was giving about her own, essentially, farm. She gave some really good tips about first checking where you're getting your sunlight from, and this will determine if you can grow herbs versus lettuce. And she also gave a really smart tip about potting to pad it with bubble wrap so you don't actually buy excess soil that you and your plants aren't going to use. But she also used that opportunity to ensure that Antony knew that she knew that he had been all over her house during her last Christmas party taking pictures, not tagging her. She was very frustrated by that. And he never sent her a thank you card for having him at the party. And she mentioned that on the show and you know she gets final editing rights. So she wanted that uncomfortable moment in of him apologizing and then Ryan saying she still talks about it, you know, meaning she still talks about the fact that you showed up to her house, took pictures with, as she said, her horses, her dogs didn't tag her in them, and then didn't send a thank you card. And at one point, Antony did something small and celebrated. And she goes, you like to pat yourself on the back, don't you? And I genuinely screamed. Martha bodied him. I think the key thing that we've learned in Martha Knows Best is not only is she a master of the home, she is a master host. So she was just giving some key tips to Antony about how to be a good host in terms of inviting people to things and how to be a good guest when you are invited to Martha's home. I do firmly believe in the power of thank you cards. I also implore you, if you haven't already seen it, go check out Martha Stewart's selfie in her pool, then go look at Chelsea Handler's attempt at copying that selfie, and then review closely Martha Stewart's comment on Chelsea Handler's copy or imitation. It's the most remarkable thing I've seen on social media for some time. And I think that actually speaks to a theme that she brings up a little different, but using the right tool. So the thank you (laughs) card can be seen as a proper tool, just as how you want to use a shovel versus a spade when you're digging up your plant beds or burying your cucumber seeds. There's a tool for every situation. So do you plan to keep watching Martha Knows Best to learn all of the tools for all of life's little situations? I will check in on this series casually. I've always been a casual watcher of Martha's cooking shows, and I do like to use her recipes from time to time. So I'll see what she can tell me about gardening. She did, listeners, inspire me to buy one of those hydroponic gardens for my kitchen, so I'm probably going to start growing my own lettuce. I'm really excited for you to watch your progress so that I can hopefully 
follow in your footsteps and do the same. And I agree with you. I will certainly watch this again casually. I keep saying this word, but this is such a pleasant show. You'll just smile and enjoy it. But then also she gets her little digs in both literally and figuratively as she talks to (laughs) folks. And that's really fun too. How about we leave this beautiful, pleasant farm and head to the suburbs where we meet a family on United We Fall. Tell us about it. United We Fall centers on young parents, Bill, played by Will Sasso, and Joe, played by Christina Vidal Mitchell, aka the living legend of Taina fame. They have two kids, baby Lulu and Emily, played by Ella Grace Helton, who is struggling to make friends in school. In this first episode, we see them try to support Emily while contending with a chorus of critics, including Bill's mom, Sandy, played by Jane Curtin, and Joe's brother, Chewy, played by Scandals, Guillermo Diaz. How did you feel about it, Beach. I thought that this was a fun sitcom. One of the things that immediately stood out to me was the interaction between Joe and Bill. I feel like they, as parents and as a couple, have good energy. And it's one of those things where people say strong relationships are based off a strong friendship. And I feel like the characters, Joe and Bill, really do seem like friends who have the same interests, who bounce off each other, support each other, but also tease each other. And I like seeing that as a couple and how that plays into them figuring out this whole parenting journey. What did you think? It does feel like although chaos reigns in their homes, in their lives, everywhere they go, they're a team. And it's nice to see them so bonded in that way, where it's not like dumb husband, smart wife, which is often how parenting was portrayed on television, but rather just two people trying to figure it out, which makes me think of the fact that the oldest millennials are 40. And while I don't think both actors are millennials, they're certainly portraying millennial parenting. We've seen that more with Trying on Apple TV, Catastrophe on Amazon Prime, Breeders on FX, and a whole host of other shows. I think I just named all British shows. But how do you feel about United We Fall as this lighter sitcom-y take? I personally prefer the lighter tone. As someone who is not a parent, I think that it makes the show more enjoyable because I can't relate to all of their day-to-day occurrences and plot lines. What they do a strong job at is showing how difficult and confusing it can be to raise children. Even from the outside perspective, raising a child seems daunting, and I think they present that really well. When you say raising a child seems daunting, are you referring to the fact that their child experienced a prolapsed rectum in the episode? You just really wanted to say that, didn't you? (laughs) It shocked me. BJ was explaining to me before, because y'all, I take all of my health and science questions to BJ. Which she shouldn't. (laughs) But you were saying that this is like a normal thing, and this is not a remarkable thing that happened to their child. Yes, Similar to how the doctor in the ER didn't seem phased by this, it is something that happens to children. It's not a good thing. You don't want it to happen regularly, but it's not something you should be that concerned about. Got it. In any case, that is one of the examples of chaos that reigns in their life. They have two people who are there to comment on all of the chaos, Bill's mom and Joe's brother. How did you feel about them popping in as these, I think, sassy critics. So I thought Sandy and Chewy were just all right in this pilot. I think they definitely need more episodes to flesh out their personality so they become more well-rounded characters. 
because right now Sandy, Bill's mother, she really just seemed like solely a critic. And she also didn't seem to have much of a bond with her grandchildren, which I thought was odd. And Chewy, Joe's brother, he just was nonstop looking down on his sister and brother-in-law. And while it was funny to an extent, it was just so one note that I got a little tired of it. How did you feel about them? I bet when you're a parent, you experience lots of critics. I have heard stories of, for example, when you're pregnant, people will often comment on what you're eating or drinking and telling you if it's good for the baby or not. And so people just invite themselves into what you're doing and family can be very guilty of that. So perhaps they were representing a real experience that people have of this brother who thinks he knows best and is constantly critiquing what you're doing. In this case, Chewy kept talking about their drinking and their health habits and all of this. And then their mom representing an older guard of parenting where she didn't understand the fact that they just let their kids be a little bit freer. And I bet that that's something that millennial parents are experiencing a ton. It just isn't my ministry. So I think some of that humor was lost on me. That makes sense. I didn't think about it that way. It's humor for a different audience. In that vein, do you plan to watch more episodes of ABC's United We Fall? I don't plan to watch again. I don't think I am the audience for this in that I am not a parent. And sitcoms, they're very hit or miss for me. But I do want to support Christina Vidal Mitchell. She's awesome. How do you feel about this series? You and I are in agreement there. Christina Vidal Mitchell, truly an icon, as is her sister. Just two wonderful beings that we get to watch act. For me, I think I am not the audience for United We Fall, but I would say... It's a fun family show. There are jokes that the older folks in the room would get, but is generally still funny if a child were watching. So it is one of those good for the whole family sitcoms, but probably not just for me and the other adult that I live with. Well, maybe our next series is for you and the other adult that you live with. Now let's talk about Muppets Now on Disney+. Plus. So the Muppets are back for another series, and this is actually an quote unquote unscripted series where they have different segments such as a game show, a cooking show and a talk show. And it's all produced by the Muppet Studio, where we'll see some of our favorites, such as Kermit the Frog, Fozzie Bear, Miss Piggy, Animal, and the Great Gonzo. So in this first pilot titled Due Date, we're actually seeing some behind the scenes involvement where Scooter is on a video call with Kermit putting together the final footage for Muppets Now. So how about we break down the different segments? Let's start with Lifestyle with Miss Piggy. I loved Miss Piggy not accepting anything but compliments. There was a part where she asked someone, what is your favorite feature of mine? And they started to name one thing and she was like, ah, ah, ah. And then she ensured that they said everything, every feature. I have always loved Miss Piggy. She was always one of my favorites. Just an icon, a legend, the pillar of class style. You would get along with her. We would. We would get along very well. I don't know that we would be friends in whatever way you can befriend a puppet, but I (laughs) would 100% love just observing her at work. I thought this was definitely up her alley. I like that she brought in a live panel with Linda Cardellini, where she was just fishing for compliments about her style. She brought in Tay Diggs for a surprise segment about face massages, where we get to see some of her typical outbursts. 
It's so funny how famous the Muppets are that Tay Diggs and Linda Cardellini are each stars in their own right. And they weren't even the primary star of the episode. They had like a finishing segment where they interviewed someone and they didn't even make that. They're just in for their quick one minute scene because Miss Piggy is the real star. She is. Glad we both agree. So how about we head over to my favorite segment from this episode, Muppet Masters, where we actually are learning about different skills and hidden talents of Muppets, where Walter is introducing us to Kermit's expertise in photobomy. I love that Kermit's skill is photobombing anyone. And when they showed all the different pictures that he had popped himself in, and when they showed him at work photobombing, and you don't even see him moving, he's just so good at it. I know it's for kids, but I genuinely laughed out loud. He had some good photos. Very good. And I couldn't help but think about all those meme photos of the tiny puppet of Kermit. He's usually sad, but they're so funny. (laughs) My favorite one is the Kermit doll dancing and they play the succession theme music over it. It just cracks me up every time I see it. So let's go to my favorite segment, Okie Dokie Cooking. With lots of Swedish letters. Well, don't you remember what Amalia taught you? Didn't she teach you some Swedish? I remember you didn't try to say anything Swedish. Because you were connecting. Shout out to Motherland's Amalia Holm. Thank you for coming through and for classing up our podcast and preparing us for the okie dokie cooking segment (laughs) so we could try to understand some of the Swedish. I love the Swedish chef. He is a mess, but a good mess. Can you explain that segment for our listeners? We have Beverly Plume, who's a turkey. She's channeling Julia Child, and she brings in two chefs, Swedish chef, and in this episode, Carlina Will, and they're going to make two different dishes. Today, we're looking at Carlina's specialty, Caribbean food, and so they're making Caribbean curry and then cooking with plantains. And the whole time, we're just seeing a stark contrast between the Swedish chef's approach and Carlina's approach. You want to go into the Swedish chef's style? BJ's just trying to make me laugh. I genuinely (laughs) was cracking up during this segment. Carlina was just cooking curry chicken and dicing things up and putting potatoes and carrots in the pot. And you just turn and Swedish chef is like throwing objects in there, a whole pineapple. And for some reason, when he put the whole pineapple in the pot, I just lost it. It was so funny. There's a part at the end of the segment where he ends up ordering takeout and he doesn't want to pay for it. He tries to get someone else to sign. It just was so funny. And that's a perfect example of a piece of content or media that kids will laugh at because of the antics and all the things going on. But adults would also laugh because it was just so well written. And now that leads us to our final segment of Muppets Now, Muppets Close and Personal, where Kermit does one-on-one interviews. And this time it's with multitasker RuPaul. What do you think of this segment, the questions he was able to ask, and all of the fans that appeared as well? I thought it was so cool to see RuPaul on The Muppets. It's so cool to see how culture has moved, where RuPaul is the star of this episode and gets to close it out mm-hmm. versus Linda Cardellini and Tay Diggs being sort of one minute guest stars on this. And I loved that. I loved the significance of that moment, but also it was so cute. And there is a part toward the end where he and Gonzo go back and forth. And RuPaul is so good at what he calls volleying of just 
improving off of someone else. And so that was genuinely a funny segment where Gonzo was like, what would you do if you were sitting on a trap door? And if you <laughs> pressed a button, you would fall through and there'd just be a bunch of sharks underneath. And RuPaul goes with him there. And it just is so funny to the point where he closes the segment, basically making a joke about how he makes the queens on the show on Drag Race sashay away. The whole gimmick was that Kermit was constantly interrupted. And I liked Gonzo coming in. That was fun. There was another Muppet, Howard, who seemed to be a super fan of RuPaul and knew all the facts about him and was answering questions. (laughs) Miss Piggy came in and it seemed like RuPaul and Miss Piggy were ready to go have lunch. Poor Kermit talked them out of it. And then at the end, it was just classic Muppet chaos when everyone was on screen at the same time. Are you in for more classic Muppet chaos? I have to say, due to nostalgia, I watched Muppet movies a lot as a child. I would check this out casually. I already watch a lot of Disney Plus, so I'm already there. How do you feel? I agree. I think this is a great casual watch. I would say, especially if you have kids around you, family, this is a great one. It does the Muppets well. I also just want to end with a quote from Miss Piggy that really stuck with me. May I read it? Yes. Can a dandelion become a rose? Can a mosquito (laughs) become a butterfly? I leave that to you to ponder. I want to get that tattooed backward on my forehead so I see it right ways in the mirror every morning. Let's head to another family-friendly series, but this time animated. I think you're talking about Cleopatra in Space on Peacock. Cleo, voiced by Lilimar Hernandez, is a teenage princess who gets sucked into a portal that sends her 30,000 years into the future, where she ends up attending the futuristic Intergalactic Academy Pyramid. In addition to potentially needing to defeat the evil space tyrant Octavian, she also goes through the typical teen journey of navigating a new school and making new friends, like Aquila, voiced by Kate Crown, who is a fish girl, Brian, voiced by Jorge Diaz, who is a cyborg, and Professor Kensu, voiced by Sandy Rambamurthy, who is a smart cat and hopefully a future kitty cuddler. This is an adaptation of a graphic novel by Mike Mahak, who's also the creator of this animated series. How did you feel about this origin story of Cleopatra that, of course, breaks tremendously with how we know Cleopatra to be? You never read about that time Cleopatra broke into an ancient tomb, touched an ancient tablet, and was sucked into the future to save the Nile galaxy? I more mean Cleopatra having a cute relationship with Ptolemy, being like a fun teenager, getting to be a kid. Ah, the rebellious 15-year-old who's hanging out with her peasant friend Gozi. She's jealous of his lack of responsibilities in life. Yeah, I think they really made her more likable than she probably was and downplayed how spoiled she would have been as a princess with her father being in such power of the time. But I think you want a likable protagonist and they accomplish that. How did you feel about her portrayal? I thought it was fun. I think on these kinds of shows, you don't look at it for historical accuracy. You look at it for a cute representation of these figures. And I'm not mad at this version of Cleo. She is someone kids can look up to, ambitious, wanting to save the world, wanting to learn new skills, go outside of herself, travel 30,000 years into the future to save humanity. 
very heroic figure. And they do drop in historically related tidbits, like her probably having a pet cat. And then there's a part about her learning new languages, which is very much related to Cleopatra's history. So we might learn some things. What did you think about her friends and this whole prophecy of her being the savior of the future? It's teased a little bit in the beginning when she keeps telling her dad, I want to do more. I feel like I'm destined for more. And when you know history, you know that she is in a different sense, but she has the opportunity to save them from an intergalactic villain. It will be fun to watch someone from 30,000 years prior both try to learn the skills of how to defeat this person, but also share their own instincts and learnings to help their friends. You see that she goes one-on-one against this robot and she's the first person to have defeated it and perhaps it's because she doesn't know how to use the technology yet and she's just going off of what her gut is telling her she's going old school (sighs) yes It reminds me a lot of this sci-fi series, Cleopatra 2525, that stars one of our favorite actresses, Gina Torres, where there is a woman named Cleo from the 20th century who went to the year 2525. And a lot of it is her being out of place and out of touch with this future society. But similar to Cleopatra in space, some of her old-timey culture is now relevant to these futuristic challenges that she'll be facing. Also, her friends are adorable. The fish girl, the cyborg boy, the cat. This is going to be a great group of people to see come together. She's got a nice, solid crew, and she is a very capable fighter. That's always funny with these time travel stories is how quickly the person who time traveled adapts. She stumbles for a couple moments here and there, but she ultimately is fine with the fact that everything she knows is gone. It's time to fight some robots. There's a talking cat. There's an animated fish that will be my friend now. This person is a robot. I'm not sure what robot means but they're my friend too. Like she's really rolling with the punches. She's not even on earth anymore. That's totally fine. Just deal with it. Just keep going. So do you think that she'll get to go back to the time that she knows in Egypt once she hopefully destroys or beats this villain? So maybe I'm overthinking it, but the future characters such as Professor Kinzu know of Cleopatra and they never mentioned that she disappeared. So I'm assuming she goes back to live out the rest of her life as we know it. I see. Like Avengers. Kind of. I still don't understand the ending of the movie. Y'all, when we watched Endgame, BJ was confused too. You have to be honest. I was. Came back to my house and then he, my partner, and I sat down and made a timeline on a sheet of paper to try to understand the ending of that movie. And a lot of people still debate it on the internet today. Honestly, debating or thinking about it doesn't interest me. I don't even really remember what happened, but it is affirming to know that I'm not the only one who was confused. I think the takeaway is that time travel can always be a very complicated plot device. Very. Unless you're doing Cleopatra in space. Yeah, they seem to have mastered it. They haven't broken the rules of time travel yet in this story. We're only one episode in. (laughs) But they've done a good job with it so far. All right, Beach, do you want to watch more episodes of Peacock's Cleopatra in Space? I think this is something I would watch while traveling, you know, load up a few episodes or, well, I don't know when I'll travel. When people get to travel, (laughs) I would watch this. (laughs) What would you rate it? I'm going to be honest. Please do. 
I got the free trial of Peacock Premium, so I'll probably watch more within the next seven days. Not because I want to watch again seriously, but because I have the free trial, I want to use it up, and I did enjoy this cartoon, and I want to see where it goes. How would you compare this to She-Ra, which is another cartoon that you like? I don't think you can compare them because She-Ra doesn't feel like it's for kids in the way that Cleopatra does. She-Ra is also for kids, but it has more adult themes and Cleopatra feels like it is for little kids. Good to know. If you want to find more of our opinions, you can head to our website at thepilotpodcast.com and you can subscribe to us on all of your favorite podcast platforms. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at The Pilot Pod. You can send thoughts, feelings, recommendations for shows for us to review because we're going to do that every other week. So next week, we're doing a listener recommended show to askthepilotpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.